Thank you, Anchor, for supporting our podcast. Today, we've got a super exciting episode. Sarusite, interesting gemstone. Scarodite, another interesting one. Bird's Nest Azurite, and so much more. I was looking at radical rocks. There were fossils, minerals, and rocks and things. There were sand and hills and rings. The first thing I found was a geocrystals. Quartz with no clouds. Agate was hot and the ground was hard. But the gems were there to be found. See, I've been through the desert, found a rock of no name. Felt good to have in my hand. In the desert, you can find lots of rocks. Cause radical rocks are everywhere. That's right, radical rocks are everywhere, guys. We have a super exciting episode for you today. Hey, is that turquoise? Could you imagine using turquoise to fix your tooth decay? We're going to talk about that. Britney Spears, she's got some gemstone action going on. Ghost fossils, 10 largest gold mines ever, bird nest azurite, mining in Kenya, and so much more. Today... Landon and I are here. Landon, why don't you say hi? Hi. How old are you? Six and a half. Going to be seven pretty soon? Mm-hmm. Do you like rocks? Yes. Do you like fossils? Yes. What's your favorite? Um, it's this thing that is this black. It's in a movie. It showed this black crawling thing. Like a dinosaur fossil, like a bug or a creature? It was just black lug values. What about digging shark's teeth? You like megalodons? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you like them all, huh? Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to get with our show. I just wanted Landon to be able to join in. He was excited to be able to say something on the podcast, so we gave him that chance. Turquoise Christmas ornaments. If you go to Silver Surfer today... .co.uk. Leon Cooper tells us that these are an all-around year, all-year-round decorative accessory that you can't live without turquoise Christmas ornaments. Um, they say that they use actual turquoise in them. They look like a lot of turquoise glass. Um, they say that it's not that expensive because they're probably buying the cheap stuff um, out of China. But anyway, you can check that out if you want. Uh, Christmas only seven months away, so never too soon. How would you like to make millions, maybe even trillions of dollars mining? Well, you would possibly find that to be done on asteroids. Mining asteroids worth trillions of dollars as large rocks from space can make us all millionaires, according to Michael Kurt. On the Technotrends with a Z dot com, you could read all about it. Um, but they feel that some of these asteroids have lots of rare earths on them, uh, rare metals and minerals. Gold can be one of them. Uh, platinums and things like that have been found on some of these things. They talks about harvesting these uh, asteroids, also colonizing the Moon or Mars in order to get to some of these natural resources that are out there in space. Um, All that remains to be seen. It's uh, exciting thoughts, I guess, to 
to mine on uh, other areas instead of uh, digging up our earth. I guess if that could be feasible and, uh, you know, we don't destroy our universe or make the moon, throw the moon off course or something crazy and destroy all human life as we know it, I guess it would be a good idea. That's uh, beyond my comprehension of uh, how that could turn out, you know, 200 years from now. Does it rain diamonds on Saturn and Jupiter? You know, scientists in 2013 have hypothesized that due to the gases and the heat and the makeup of what they've studied flying by the planet, that there could be diamonds raining on the face of Saturn or Jupiter or maybe both. Um, Bethany Palma tells us on May 17th at snoops.com uh, all about this. Uh, they talk about it. They are trying to do a uh, fact check with this. And uh, just looking at these hypotheses and things like that, this lightning zaps that uh, strike each other could produce particles of carbon soot that could even lead to diamonds falling down to the sky. The temperatures are reaching in excess of 8,000 uh, degrees Celsius, which is when diamonds melt, causing liquid raindrops of diamonds uh, as being a possibility. They have a lot of sources here if you want to check this out. Um, go there and do the research. It's kind of an interesting thought. A new collection of gemstones for EMF protection is launched. If you go to the digitaljournal.com, you can find the article under that title. Um, Tiny Rituals is a business that has gone uh, not a sponsor of the show. I'm not recommending them or anything. I'm just sharing the news here. But uh, they say in this long post, uh, blog post called Protection Crystals, the top six and how to use them, that there's actually a list of EMF resistance uh, crystals and gemstones that uh, can protect you from EMF, also uh, electromagnetic radiation, uh, e, known as EMR, and this can be deflected by some of these things. Even the things that normal household electronics emit, these low levels of EMFs, could actually shield you from that, according to that. They says crystals have long been a protective force uh, in uh, folklore and such, but also this, if it has a strong iron content, this could actually protect you and uh, protect you from EMF. I think a ferritine uh, cage uh, is probably better and been proven to be more effective, but the iron or any kind of metal would be something that could protect you, and you can check that out if that's something that interests you. Norway, the only dinosaur ever found, sets a world record for being the deepest one ever found. At zmescience.com, Z-M-E, science.com, you'll see the article there by Tibu Puyin, and uh, they tell us about this dinosaur. They're actually drilling for oil. Drilling for oil uh, in Norway and looking at these pieces, uh, they found a mark of a fossil. Actually, just a knuckle bone extracted from a long cylinder of rock 
dwell drilled rather off the Snore offshore field. You can see pictures of it here. Uh, they it looks like they've colored it with red to kind of uh, well, they've probably enhanced it with red. One of the pictures is just uh, the stone, and the others enhanced to show you. But just even though it's just this little knuckle, they say they have enough fossils to say, hey. This is what it is. It was found in the North Sea, drilling for oil some 2,256 meters below the seabed. This means the discovery is not only the first for Norway, but also the world, making it the deepest dinosaur ever discovered. Pretty cool. Um, let's see here. What else? mapped the 10 largest gold mines in the world by production. Um, if you go to visualcapitalist.com, you can see this article entitled Map the 10 Largest Gold Mines in the World by Production. Nicole Conti writes about it. The article is also edited and graphics are given a tribute to other folks there if you want to read that. They have a nice graphic here that shows these areas in the U.S., um, in Africa, uh, looking very close to Russia and uh, over by Germany and also Australia and some other island areas, all designated. I'm surprised not to see anything in South America, but uh, nope, not South America. U.S., according to 2021 production in the year 2021, 3.3 million ounces were produced in the U.S. Nevada gold mines. Um, a top producer, uh, according to this, the number one position. Number two is Uzbekistan, and they produced uh, 3 million ounces, 3.0 million ounces of gold. Uh, Indonesia produced 1.4 million ounces. Russia produced 1.2 million. Dominica Republic, uh, surprisingly, produced 0.8 million ounces. Um, Kabula, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. They produced 0.8 million ounces. Australia produced 0.8 million ounces. Papua New Guinea produced 0.7 million ounces. Canada, 0.7 million. And Australia, 0.7 million. All kinds of great statistics here. If you're interested in the uh, gold mines, um, it talks about the actual mines that produce this. Pretty cool stuff if you want to check that out. Now, we've got some really cool articles on gemstones from um, Kenya, Bird's Nest Azurite, uh, Sarusite, also uh, Scorodite and other really cool minerals that are very seldom talked about that we're going to talk about. But first, I want to thank you guys for liking, subscribing, and sharing um, our podcast. It really helps us out when you share and when you subscribe, because if you don't subscribe, we don't really get the credit for all the views. We have tens of thousands upon tens of thousands of downloads on our podcast, but we have very few subscribers. So if you could subscribe, it would really help us out. Um, and we appreciate it. You can do it on whatever your favorite um, you know, podcast app is. Also, go check us out at YouTube. Just look up Radical Rocks. We're going to come there. We've, you'll, we'll pop right up. 
We've got uh, over almost 50 videos on different topics from lapidary to gemstone collecting, rock collecting, lapidary, silversmithing. We do some tours in different shops and shows. Uh, pretty cool. You know, we're our own little style of, uh, of video. Maybe not so cut and polished, but uh, we really appreciate you coming by and liking and subscribing to that as well and sharing. All right. Let's get on with this. Scientists discover ghost fossils beneath the microscope by Ashley Strickland. She's with CNN, so you can find this article at CNN.com. They've got some pictures of these ghost fossils. Basically, what they are is they are tiny, tiny little organisms that they didn't really quite know that were there, but they have a virtual cast microscopic view of ghost nanofossils can be seen along with their virtual cast. So it's like a shell cast of them. 15 times narrower than a human hair. They look at these ancient organisms that could be from the ocean or from fossilized nanoplankton. They feel that these could lead them to a better understanding of climate changes um, throughout time. A lot of these are sponsored by researchers from the Swedish Museum of Natural History in Stockholm. Sam Slater is one of the researchers that said this was a complete surprise. We were actually studying fossil pollens from the same rocks and never seen this type of fossil preservation before. So they found these imprints in abundance um, and were really excited about it. Um, little potholes in the spores, they started to zoom into these and they could see there was, they magnified it thousands of times and saw these little complex uh, shapes of these little uh, exoskeletons of these microscopic organisms, these microscopic plankton. It still exists today. Uh, it provides food, it provides oxygen, it is key to ocean uh, life as we know it and has been since the beginning of time, according to this. Quite amazing, they have a actual picture of the um, what you see here, and uh, some of their hypotheses about global warming and stuff like this that might be of interest to you as well. Nebraska, Southeast Nebraska mine, could be the nation's second largest rare earth deposit, according to a geological study. And this can be found at KETV, Channel 7, ABC News. You go to KETV.com and look up that article, and you will find it there. David Earl is the one who has it. There's a video there. You can find out more about these rare uh, minerals. We know that the administration is supposedly going to be opening up these rare earths to help benefit uh, many of these foreign countries that are going to come in and mine uh, our cobalt our uh, copper and other minerals. Hopefully there'll be some American companies coming in too and a few American jobs. I have not heard of any yet, but uh, if you have, uh, check me out on social media. We're on MeWe, Parlor, uh, Gitter, Locals, um, where else? Um, other, other stuff. So check me out there. I'm most active on MeWe and you can look us up at Radical Rocks Lapidary there. Oregon rocks and minerals, um, we talk about them a lot because they're awesome. If you go to eou.edu, you can see this personal collection of Oregon rocks from uh, Caden Hicks. 
His organ rocks and minerals help uh, show a good display of the variety of rocks from geological regions such as the coast to the Cascades, Crater Lake, Columbia River, through the Rolling Hills, and all of Oregon's geographical rich history. Um, zones in Oregon, we've talked about quite a bit. You can read that if you want on the article. But uh, some of the wonderful things that they found there is uh, agates and minerals. There's a lot of great rock collecting there. There's a lot of Facebook groups that share information on these sites you can look up. There's agate, jasper, geodes, thunder eggs, obsidian, opal, petrified wood, and sunstones are just some of these great minerals that you can find and dig up in Oregon. Get connected with a lapidary group in that area. Subscribe to their email. Um, heck, some of these clubs are only $20, $30 a year to join. Join a few clubs, you know, join more than one and be a part of that. All right, next up, it uh, doesn't want to come up. Let's see what else we got here. Uh-oh, computer slowing down here. Science teacher accepts specimens, a case of local rocks and minerals. Um, hopefully it doesn't bomb me out of there. This can be found at fredericksburg.com. The article is powered by Trinity Audio, um, so there is an audio here. I do not see credit to a writer, but the article goes on. It is tagged to uh, Christine uh, Bordeaux at the bottom. It, together with the, this is Virginia, I think it was. Let's see, now I don't remember. VTCA sponsored display case. What they've done is they got together with uh, some of these companies that do, um, it's Virginia, the Virginia Association of Science Teachers and Christina Brudrella, and I'm probably saying that wrong, Brudella, Rella, Rio, however you say it. Um, she recognizes the importance of these uh, minerals and the Virginia Transportation Construction Alliance and Friends of Mineralogy in Virginia have gotten together to preserve some of these minerals and got this collection there. Uh, representatives from Lucky Stone, Vulcan Minerals, Pfizer, uh, Fraser, Quarry for the dedication, and others got together to represent the national quarry industry to put these here for education, this beautiful collection of rocks and stones and minerals. Um, it's a whole case of them. You can see a picture there if you want. Um, what's next? Man, we have so much, guys. So much, so much, so much. Um, let me see. I want to share with you Christensen's. Um, you can email him for his mineral collection. It's Christensen.com, uh, I believe. Let's see if I can hover over it and get that. Um, you could look it up, but he sells stuff, but the pictures are beautiful. Rubellite is a beautiful purple gemstone, uh, that does do these elongate, elongated crystals that are quite beautiful. There is rhodochrosite from Santa Alusia. There's malachite with druzy quartz. There's this beautiful azurite nodule from the blue ball mine. You've got to see it. It looks, it's all green malachite on the inside, and the shell of it is this beautiful blue color. You can't miss that. Aquamarine from Sonora, Mexico. 
um, cinnabar and quartz from China, pyrite on syllabite, calcite with quartz from Romania, beautiful red burl from Utah in its crystal formation, Utah in the United States. This is very valuable, being more valuable than diamonds in a lot of cases. So you can check out all these if you want. They send pictures and emails every week or two. Very, very nice. Now, I want to share with you some really awesome articles that uh, come to me from Rock and Jim. Uh, Rock and Jim, you can subscribe to them. I highly recommend you subscribe to their um, magazine. You'll get one a month. Um, and that is every Rockhound, every Lapidary person should have that. They're not sponsoring the show, but it's just great information and you need to have it. It's almost as uh, like having a geologist hammer. It's one of those things you just got to have, okay? Um, I wish they were sponsoring the show, but they're not. But some things you just can't live without, folks. Um, Rock and Jim sends me these emails. They've got a beautiful article on gym mining in Kenya. And you open up the page here, and uh, they say, Vitter Young is the king of the gym jungle. They talk about this man who's been mining for over 30 years in Kenya. And you look at this picture and you think, oh, this must be Tanzanite. It's so beautiful. They're so purple. They're purple garnets. And they are spectacular. This third generation African rip, uh, rough gemstone buyer named Vitter Young um, buys and has been involved in gemstone mining for a long, long time. These miners work super, super hard to mine these gemstones out. A lot of times these are in very poor conditions. Um, so, you know, you are supporting people that um, need the money, are digging through this schist and this uh, Guinness and, and digging through with a lot of basic hand tools. They're very lucky if they have, you know, the air drills and the more um, better financed operations have these compressors, rock drills, explosive, explosives, and backhoes and things like that. But most of these guys are doing it by hand. Very, very difficult, very tough. Um, 80 feet of solid rock sometimes had to be blasted through and then 30 feet of overburden and loose rock first removed before they could get to $60,000 of beautiful rock mine and gemstones and how did they get down there? With a rope. I mean, these guys are working their butts off. This uh, Tassavorite garnet, it's uh, T-S-A-V-O-R-I-T-E. I'm probably saying it wrong. Tassavorite garnet. They're beautiful. They are beautiful. They find masses of what look like green aquarium gravel. And um, these are what they find first. And then they know they're very, very close to the good stuff. Um, this has been a long-term thing. They also have strawberry garnets there that are quite popular and beautiful. They have a picture of those. They talk about how he picks these gemstones out um, for selling and mining. He talks about the uh, geology through this area here, which is known as the Mozambique uh, Fault. And in this area, they find tanzanite, tourmaline, sapphires, and many other gemstones that extend through this fault, through the Tahita Hills to Kenya, to the Umba Valley in northern Tanzania. Just amazing, the work that they do. 
Now, another article that is in Rock and Jim is called "What Is Mind in," and I think it's some summed. It's T S U M E B. That's how it's spelled. Well, some of the rocks that I talked about in the beginning of the show are the rocks that you're going to hear about: um, cerussite and uh, uh, scorodite if I'm saying it right, and the bird's nest azurite are just a few of the spectacular minerals and gemstones that are found in this area. This um, scorodite, this specimen that they have pictured here, is this beautiful, uh, it's kind of an aqua green, but it's more of a green uh, than an than a aqua, but there is some blue hues that uh, hit when certain light refracts the crystal, which has terminated points, several terminated points, all conglomulated together. It is spectacular. This is a mine in Nambia. The mine is known as the Angopolo, and it is world famous for its amazing assortments of common and very rare mineral specimens being of some of the world's finest, nearly 350 known specimens or species from this location are unknown species that were first found in this area of uh, Sumed, if I'm saying it right. Um, the deposit produces a variety of metals, including copper, lead, zinc, silver, gold, cobalt, geranium, which is very, very rare, Huge mineralized vertical pipe that surfaced and was heavily oxidized to depth. Mining has reached a depth of over 4,000 feet before closing. And I think they should try to figure out, get a big company in there and keep going down. I'm sure they could, they could go further. Many mineral uh, museums and collections are looking for the one minerals and ores that come out of this area beautiful. It talks about the oxidization uh, zones and how that uh, is weathered and how important it is and what kind of ores and minerals. The body of the fracture, they talk about that, how deep it went, this fault. Unique species. It says, uh, Bob Jones says here, you can just imagine the huge volume of superb minerals that came from deep within the Sunub mine through this DeWitt head frame and they show a mining head frame there where they would have pulled these minerals deep out of the earth from these hydrothermal solutions that were pushed up through the mantle of the earth creating all these different species uh, all the way up until 1990. It produced some 350 different species from three different oxide zones. Uh, very, very amazing. It started in 1906 and continued until 1990. There's zones by minerals that are there. The upper zones of the Samed are exceptional azurite malachite, including the bird nest azurite um, that we're going to talk about in a little bit. And then the ceresite production and diopsite discoveries also as well were found in here. More rare are the scorodite crystals found at the lowest oxide area. Only a very few specimens. It's very uncommon 
um, through this vertical pipe structure with the crystal um, formations and carbonite limestone formations that were through here that uh, were found. Now, the exploration uh, of this area was mined uh, way long ago before Europeans explored Africa and um, they were looking for copper. The tribes of these uh, ancient people who knew smelting methods to recover copper, the name uh, Suim uh, is questioned that uh, it may have something to do with the greenish waters that were prevalent in that area due to the many, many, um, the copper that would have been in that area. Also could have been because of the frogs that lived there. So they're not really sure, but it could have something to do with that. In the mid-1800s, um, Europeans tried to mine it. They weren't successful. Germany uh, took over. They developed and... Uh, then um, the uh, mining began about 1906. During World War I, um, this mine produced some amazing azurite specimens, which there's a picture here of the bewildering variety of angulist forms, stubby, pyramidal, white-gray, transparent opaque, blue, yellow, elongated, etc., etc., more exotic of the litter of these minerals was the tall, thin model with good transparency and interesting terminal terminated faces. It says terminal faces, but it's talking about the termination of the crystals, and they have one pictured there. Um, Amazing, amazing. Some of the collections did end up in Germany, so they have many of these species uh, specimens that were found. They did end up, some of them, in the Smithsonian. You can see them there. It took two huge moving vans to transport it to D.C., and that's where a lot of them reside today, including the bird's nest azurite. The upper oxide zone azurite um, is the most beautiful azurite the world has ever seen. It is in the natural uh, New York Natural History Museum, the bird's nest azurite. The specimen is six and a half inches, more or less oval and flat, a minimum matrix, which is crowned by an inner grown stack of tightly clustered azurite crystals measuring up to five inches set at a jaunty angle, leaning against smaller, sharp blue crystals of azurite that support the large crystals. There's no damage, and the large crystals have uh, parallel stratifications on each crystal face. This was mined in the 1940s um, and uh, ended up being taken out by a miner and used to pay for his overdue hotel uh, expenses, but has ended up in the Smithsonian some so many years later. Many secondary minerals are found in this area. Um, you can read about them. Uh, very colorful, very crystallized secondary minerals, uh, species, uh, specimens, whatever you want to call it. And uh, they are varying at different levels that they were found. This is pretty well documented. And uh, some of the things that are found there are the suracite. This is a second oxide area where suracite and dopsite are produced. Huge quantities of this 
uh, Ceresite are twinned and range in size from under an inch to seven inches long. The most beautiful and rarest of the Ceresite is the so-called snowflake twins. It is uh, very beautiful and rare indeed. Real snowflakes have a distinct flat radiating star-like form with six radiating crystals forming a pattern. Um, twins can be smaller than an inch, but the rarest snowflake are thick clusters of twinned crystals. Snow white can be nearly 10 inches across. Also, some of the twins are uh, in a V shape. A V shape crystal is attached to the base of the diverge from the V, can be anywhere from under an inch to seven inches long, which is extremely rare. The, the Dioptis, if I'm saying that right, it's D-I-O-P-T-A-S-E. Diopsis is sometimes included in calcite crystals. These are a beautiful um, kind of a marinish, marine blue or a pale green color. Most all of them are in private uh, collections. It's a copper silica hydroxide uh, hy and um, free it, due to the free copper ions, it ranges from very dark green to light green. The picture kind of makes it look a baby blue, but they're saying green. And uh, these crystals can be seen singular, double, double terminated crystals with high luster, uh, intergrown crystals, individual crystal, cat, uh, scattered crystals. Uh, it's just amazing. Um, very, very beautiful. It can be found um, all over the place in that area at one time, dug up out of the ground in those secondary areas. Other specimens, of course, are copper along with lead, zinc, silver, geranium, an element uh, responsible for some rare and new species uh, is the geranium, and if I'm saying that right. And this um, uh, copper was often uh, locked in with the calcite. Cooperite um, is common in the upper oxide zone and added color, uh, as well as other copper minerals. Primary minerals, chocolate uh, colored and well crystallized groups. Fine red cooperite crystals were often encountered, not, not super large, nice cubic crystals of good red color, uh, and so on could be found there along with the calcite. Lots of calcite could be found in all different colors, um, slightly rounded to uh, complete crystallized forms, diver diverging crystals that we talked about uh, somewhat, mimonite. Uh, quantities of this are found in crystal form from several inches to clusters. Uh, they are a canary yellow color. Uh, lead hillite. This is among uh, several species of this that are found. Uh, the mineral is considered quite rare worldwide, and the minerals found here are the best by far. Some of the lead hillite crystal groups are uh, prismatic crystals nearly two inches long, white usually with colored inclusions, beautiful, three-sided flat crystals, clear, sometimes two inches on edge, smaller clusters, triangular, uh, lahillite with gray and white were also mined. Atomite, um, this has been found here with olivenite and also fine crystals, well worth collecting. Um, they, they are dimorphs and differ in chemistry, and they change due to the variations of how much copper or zinc they have. 
and uh, has been a puzzle to scientists to to figure out what is what amongst this cornucopia of minerals that have emerged and been identified here at this mine. One of the new minerals named Zincoulvinite, um, and if you look at it from the Capordamite, uh, you can't really tell the difference, so this is something you would have to to look at very, very closely. It is a green, uh, darker green, and uh, they believe this will be considered a new collection, a new mineral uh, altogether. The cuprocropylvinite. So um, as I wrestle with these marbles, they also had wonderful zinc pockets in this mine, some beautiful smithsonite, uh, smithsonite is a beautiful pink color from the traces of cobalt that make it that color. In clumps of crystals were found and uh, so much more minerals. If you get a chance to read this article, there's a lot more information in this. It is jam-packed and a blast to look at and read through these articles. So guys, I want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, until next time, remember, like, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. And remember, rock hounds don't die, they petrify.